This is a special Uncommon Sense podcast for 3RRR-FM with Amy Mullins. The interview you're about to hear is with Jordan Crook. Jordan is a nature conservation campaigner at the Victorian National Parks Association. Jordan joined me to evaluate the Victorian government's record on environmental policy and issues ahead of the state election. He also tells us where some of the other parties stand on these issues and updates us on the latest campaigning wins for native forests. I hope you've been enjoying the show so far and I know you're going to enjoy this next conversation with Jordan Crook. Jordan is a nature conservation campaigner, specifically in the areas of forests, woodlands and grasslands. Don't ever forget the last one. And he's based at the Victorian National Parks Association, also known shorthand as the VNPA. He's also a qualified arborist. And Jordan is joining me once again to talk about the state government, the Victorian state government's environmental record. It's a little bit of an informal report card on what they've been doing in their terms in office, what they said they would do, what they have done, a whole range of issues. And we're going to jump straight into it. Uh, And we'll also talk about some of the latest campaigning wins in the courts for some of the environmental groups who have been really challenging the activities of Vic Forests, the state-owned logging agency here in Victoria as well. So hopefully this helps you to get a sense of the environment in state politics and helps you think about some of the issues that might matter to you when you're making up your mind at this election. So I welcome Jordan Crook back onto the show. Thank you so much, Jordan, for joining me. I had such a great time chatting with you last time and I really appreciate your time today. Yes, thank you very much for having me again, Amy. It's just a pleasure to have you on the show, Jordan. You're across so many issues. It's amazing. It's um, a passion, I can tell, for you and a passion for many others in the Triple R community. It's certainly been a passion for this show, especially to talk about issues of conservation in particular. As I mentioned, there are a whole range of um, issues that we will be discussing, including native forest logging um, and some of the priorities for the VNPA. But I did want to raise a couple of topics and areas that are quite localised and topical for this state election. And certainly the areas and issues you've been across in your role. I, on my show here on Uncommon Sense, had the great pleasure of interviewing Catherine Watson, who's a member of the Save the Western Port Woodlands group, where they were seeking to save the last strip of significant woodlands left in the Bass Coast Shire. It's a rare coastal forest near Lang Lang and Grantville under threat from sand mining. And the state government and the Victorian planning minister has a key role to play in that. There's also the Save Lake Knox group as well with another localised campaign at this state election. So I wondered if you could possibly please update us on the situation of uh, both of those um, groups and what's been happening if there are developments for us to be across. Yeah, with the election coming, there's lots of commitments flying left, right and centre, um, particularly uh, for the Western Port Woodlands, the amazing stretch of forest to the side of uh, French Island there. There's been some real weird ones and some really good ones from different political parties, but nothing from the Labor Party so far. There's been a, a relatively good policy put out by the Liberal and National Party regarding the Western Port Woodlands, that they'd update one of the documents 
relating to the management of the sand mining operations in the area and also increase protection for the Adams Creek area, which is probably the most biodiverse area uh, in the woodlands area. It's got the uh, critically endangered tea tree finger fungus, which is oh, wow. uh, one of my favourites. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing little fungus. It only grows in about seven or eight places on earth. One of those places is the Adams Creek area. There's a small population in launching place in the Yarra Valley. And then there's this tiny little population on, on the southern tip of New Zealand, of all places. And it's listed as critically endangered. And it's found in those Adams Creek area, along with species like powerful owl and southern brown bandicoot. So there's some hope for the woodlands, which is good and a, and a true testament to the hard work of Catherine and the Save Western Port Woodlands Group for sure. Oh, it's amazing. What in practice do you think that means in comparison to the Labor Party then? Does it mean that Labor would not protect at all that area and the Liberal National Party's change to the documentation would, in effect, protect it? I guess, what have we got, three three or four more weeks to go until mm. the election? So I guess um, there's still a little bit of time for the ALP to, to release something or um, put something out about the woodlands. The commitment by the Liberals and Nationals is welcome. The The most solid part is for the Adams Creek area. The changing of the document would most likely not change a hell of a lot, but it is welcome that people are talking about the woodlands in a way that they want to protect them and the increased protections for the Adams Creek area would be really a fantastic outcome. Yeah, I know when I spoke with Catherine, she said it was going to be a, a fairly hotly contested seat. So that's probably why we're seeing more than one party come to the party on this issue. I hope that more does eventuate for that issue. I know that when I spoke with Catherine, Victoria's former planning minister, Richard Wynne, had just decided to approve the expansion of the Grantville sand mine, despite over 70 objections locally. So, you know, it's a disappointing outcome and decision from the Labor state government in that regard. So if anyone wants to keep up to date with that campaign and to also voice their opinion, if you're in that local area and... Uh, a part of that broader Bass Coast Shire, uh, you can check out their website, savewesternportwoodlands.org. Did you have any um, thoughts and, and opinions on the Lake Knox campaign as well and whether that's going to galvanise any party members locally to change their behaviour about development around that human-made lake, which essentially features some very rare ducks? Yeah, definitely. I was down at Lake Knox um, earlier uh, this week, just on the weekend, having a look at the blue-billed duck, which is an endangered species under the Flora and Fauna Guarantee Act here in Victoria, and it's a like it's an awesome, it's it is a man-made lake, but I guess the thing about it is it was put in at a time when all the native vegetation around it was still there, so those plants have kind of jumped in to the lake and now are only found in that lake and. Uh, nowhere else in the Knox area. So it holds the bluebill ducks and they like that deep water to, to fish and hunt in. And they've been um, having baby ducklings there as well. So there's been three or four eggs laid and, and, and ducklings now hanging around at the site as well. It's a funny one for the election 
And again, the Liberal Party have come out and said they would save the site. The ALP haven't said what they're going to say, but a Teal candidate has popped up purely for the purpose of, of saving the lake, which is a wow. um, interesting um, development. Mm, that is a very interesting development. I'm glad to see that there's been progress made, and I know that that campaigning group has worked so hard on it. So it'll be very interesting to see, and also, funnily enough, interesting to see that the LNP are also stepping up with their commitment around that issue as well. It reminds me of a conversation and also tweets that I've seen you put out around some of the differences, historic differences and also potentially current differences, I'm not sure, around national parks and the setting aside of land for the purpose of a national park. This is obviously something really close to the VNPA's mandate and kind of area of interest. And I know that you are quite aware of the differences between past LNP governments, state governments in Victoria here, and also the current Labor government. Could you tell us a little bit about what some of the commitments have been of the Labor government around national parks and grasslands and whether they've actually been delivering on their commitments? And then we can um, potentially draw in a comparison between the two major parties at the moment. Yeah, definitely. So in around 2018, um, 19, the state Labor government commission uh, VIAC to, to do a study on the central west area of Victoria. So that was like uh, around Bendigo, down to Trentham Way, up around Beaufort, Avoca, um, of assessing public land in those areas for um, creation of new national parks and conservation areas. Their report was handed down in, I think it was 2020 or 2021 now, that recommended three new national parks in addition to the Bendigo National Park. They're called the Central West National Parks for short, I guess. Mm. And that includes the Wombat Forest as well. So the current state government has committed to creating those parks and legislating them. It's just been a bit of a, a slow uptake of legislating those parks. But they accepted three of the four the addition to the Bendigo National Park got knocked back, the Welford Forest part, um, which is where I think I was last time I spoke to you. Yeah. Um, standing on top of the roof of my car there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that area got knocked back and will become a regional park. And regional parks, they're not part of the protected area estate. They're, part, they're mainly for recreation, but also small amounts of conservation area and the three national parks that the government has committed to is the Pyrenees National Park near Avoca, um, in addition to the Buanga National Park around Mount Cole and then the creation of a Wombat Lerderberg National Park as well. So they've been committed to which is really welcome but they're not protected until they're legislated and that's, um, that's where we're stuck at at the moment. Yeah. It does make you a little bit worried, though, because we've seen commitments from the state Labor government around the grasslands out near Werribee and Little River. You know, there was this offsets program that was devised many, many, many years ago when that area was being developed with big residential areas. And, you know, the Labor government said that they would buy back and create grasslands areas to make up for all the land that was being taken away for development purposes. 
we heard that really barely anything has happened with that commitment. And I think that was about a decade ago. So could you give us an update on that as well? Like that situation for the grasslands? Yeah, absolutely. Um, our native grasslands in Victoria, one of their most endangered and threatened ecological communities and the plants and animals that call them home are just as endangered and threatened. And the need to speed up protection and better management of our grasslands is definitely needed. Yeah, about 10, probably 12 years ago now, the state government made an agreement with the federal government that they would create a new 15,000 hectare protected area out near Little River, Werribee Way, and it was meant to be created by 2020. Unfortunately, the mechanisms and offset costs weren't set properly and the park, only about 10% of it at the moment has been bought and managed as native grasslands and protected and the rest is still currently in private hands and degrading and there's a need. The real thing in the tale is that the commitment was to have the park protected by 2020 and it wasn't so much just a commitment sign here, do it in 10 years. It's an ecological time frame and the, the areas needed to be bought within the next 10 years so the values that we're going to be protected would still be there. And the longer that gets drawn out and the land isn't bought and protected, those values drop off. The animals that live there drop off and die off and the, the grasslands just turn into a monoculture and paddock. There's a real need for those grasslands to be acquired and to be acquired as quick as possible. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I know we've covered that on this show a couple of times. I remember there was this particular dragon called the grassland earless dragon, which is a Victorian species. Those grasslands are really a very special habitat for that particular species of earless dragon. There are so many concerns around grasslands, and I guess it doesn't get the coverage it deserves in comparison to some of the forest issues. So I just wanted to ask, are you aware of any of the other parties making comment or policy decisions or announcements around the grasslands commitment, for example, the LNP or the Greens or any other independent or minor parties? Not that I have seen just yet. So definitely looking for them and always, always up for some more grassland love from whoever wants to give it. But, yeah, nothing as yet. And one area that David Lindenmeyer, a professor who's very well known, I'm sure, to the community here in Melbourne, he brought up with me maybe a month ago, I guess, one of the other areas that had been committed by the then Shadow Environment Minister, Lisa Neville, before Labor were in government, and that was a Great Forest National Park, which does encompass the Tulangi Forest, which I'm sure many people are familiar with an hour or so out of Melbourne. That's another area that hasn't been delivered. Are there any indications that Labor would ever deliver that or any other parties that have a platform on that Great Forest National Park? Because obviously it has a significance not only for its value in relation to water, but tourism as well. Yeah, absolutely. In 2019, the state government committed to phasing out native forest logging, which um, is really good. Unfortunately, it would be by 2030, which means logging would continue until then in places, including the proposed Great Forest National Park, which is disappointing. But 
the greens and the teals support bringing forward the transition out of native forest logging and, and creating the Great Forest National Park and the like. But as yeah, as it stands, the Labor government put forward, I think it was about 110,000 hectares across the whole state that were called immediate protected areas or IPAs that would protect high conservation value areas right now. So those areas were the Strathbogie areas and the Mervyn North Forest, which had some really strong community campaigns, as well as quite a fair bit of forest in East Gippsland and a little bit in the Central Highlands, so those Tulangi King Lake forests. So um, those IPAs are sitting there and they're, they're not being logged as such. But they've been um, they've been a bit drawn out in terms of the process, and again, still haven't been legislated, and things aren't protected until they're legislated. Exactly, I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons anyone can learn is that these announcements don't mean anything unless they're actually implemented during the term of office. That a government is in power and has the ability to do so. I know that some of the great campaigning groups in Victoria, conservation and campaigning and citizen science groups, had invited media but also politicians to come on an expedition or a trip to the Central Highlands area to look at some of the devastation caused by native forest logging done by the State Forest Logging Agency, which is Vic Forests. And we saw some politicians and journalists come out and, you know, do stories or make announcements. We've seen federal politician, the independent member for Kuyong, Monique Ryan, talk about the Tulangi Forest. And she said that she was going to, and I think she already has, moved a motion in federal parliament to say that native forests and the regulation of them needs to be put back into the federal environmental legislation, which is currently under review. Did you have a, a view on that and any insight as to what these trips might mean for politicians? Were there any state politicians getting into the forest and truly kind of looking at the effects of, of their decision-making? I don't know if there are any state politicians on those um, outings, none that um, wanted to make it public that I know of. But I think it's super important that not just politicians go out and go on these tours with conservation groups, but everybody does. Mm. This is public land, it's state forest, and it's it's our land, essentially, and it's being carved up and, and sold off predominantly for wood chips when it should be, in the eyes of most Victorians, protected and protected for biodiversity, such as the greater glider and leadbed as possum, but also for recreation, such as... Um, bushwalking and forward driving and the like in those areas. And that all gets lost when we log those areas and, and turn them into almost monocultures of single-stand eucalypts that increase the fire severity in the area and reduce the water yield and kill off native wildlife. So these are our public land. This is our public forest. And there's a need to everyone to go out and have a look at them and... and see what's going on out there. And the best way to do that is with the conservationists and the citizen scientists who know those forests like the back of their hand and have campaigned for decades to protect them. And they certainly are still campaigning and doing an amazing job, 
you can check out some really great night camera video of some of these beautiful endangered species on their Instagram accounts. I wanted to also reference here, Jordan, now that we're talking about campaigning groups, some of the recent court cases and court wins, especially I'm thinking about one in particular, which involved two conservation groups, the Environment East Gippsland and King Lake Friends of the Forest, who brought cases against Vic Forests that were heard together in the Supreme Court. And we have heard Justice Melinda Richards give her opinion on the situation. And uh, certainly it seemed like it was in favour of these groups. She said that Vic Forest timber harvesting operations in East Gippsland and the Central Highlands present a threat of serious or irreversible harm to both the greater glider and the yellow-bellied glider as a species. This was news that just came out at the end of last week. What does this kind of news mean? And I know this is not the only court case we've seen in the past. We have seen others from the Friends of the Leadbeater's Possum, for example. But what do these campaigning groups and the, the court case wins mean for native forests and the way that Vic Forests is being directed by the courts to undertake logging operations? What kind of considerations might they have to make now and into the future yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, a big shout-out to Environment East Gippsland and King Lake Friends of the Forest and also Warburton Environment, who had a win, I think it was two weeks ago in the courts, about protecting the, the um, tree G-bung tree, which is an ancient species that um, the forest had not been logging correctly around them and had been causing their decline. So that is an absolute testament to those community groups and the hard work they put in and the citizen scientists that go out and collect the data of where those threatened species are and really trying to pull the reins up on the um, native forest logging industry, which, like, we know it's causing harm to threatened species such as the greater glider. For context, the greater glider only eats gum leaves grows over a metre long and is this absolute beautiful animal, second largest gliding animal in the world. Yellow-bellied glider is third. So these are big animals. They require big trees. And it was found that big forest operations weren't meeting the needs of those species and is potentially causing them to decline and die in the forest. So it shows that the practices are outdated it shows that there's a need to get out of native forest logging ASAP if we're serious about protecting native wildlife such as the greater glider, the yellow belly glider, the powerful air, the lead bedders possum. Like the list is as long as your arm mm. of the threatened species that rely on these forests. And that doesn't include the climate benefits, the water benefits, if we stop right now. Yeah. And one of the things that I um, was particularly interested in hearing your thoughts on around that, a lot of these groups, as we've mentioned, are citizen scientists and they do really important surveys of the forests to show where these endangered species are at the moment. We have seen laws brought in by the Andrews government around protesters around these logging sites, basically limiting their ability to protest legally. Uh, I wonder, could you share with us some of the consequences of these new laws and how they're affecting campaigning groups? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, the right to protest is vital for a healthy and, and strong democracy. 
and the rules were kind of rushed through a fair bit and they're massive overreach. Like people who protest, but not just protest, but people who also conduct citizen science operations in areas set to be logged. So a lot of those people who went and collected all that data for these court cases that have found that big forest operations weren't great for the local wildlife in the area, they would now cop a almost $21,000 fine and a year in jail. So it's, mm. it's overreach to the core and it is a massive concern. There's obviously concerns with the way the forests run their operations. There's concerns about how it's regulated and that it's public land. These are our forests and if people want to go in and try and protect them, they should be allowed to go in and, and monitor those activities. Yeah. Well, we did see a report from the Victorian Auditor-General's office saying that the office of conservation regulator really isn't able to effectively police and hold to account Vic Forest. So it has been left up to citizen scientists and conservation groups to do this work. So it is really concerning and it was concerning at the time that this was pushed through Parliament. One other thing I just wanted to raise, I know that the VNPA has been interested in the Yarra Ranges National Park and the, the proposed mountain tracks that were going to be put through there. It was a decision for the current planning minister, Lizzie Blanthorne, and we have seen somewhat of a triumph in that area too with the Labor Party changing those plans. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a, a big proposal out here. I'm out in the Yarra Valley. I can see Mount Donabuang from where I'm sitting right now, very luckily. Yeah, there's a plan for about 177 kilometres of mountain bike tracks through the National Park and the State Forest. Luckily, through the hard work of the VMPA, their lawyers and, and also their members and everyone else who made a submission to the EES, the Environment Effects Statement process, that the Planning Minister has said the most destructive tracks in the National Park that would have ripped straight through cool temperate rainforest and the habitat of this very unique little wingless stonefly, the Mount Donabuang wingless stonefly. It's only found on the summit of Mount Donabuang and nowhere else. So the Minister said the tracks can't go ahead without causing big environmental impacts, so then they will not go ahead. So it's a very welcome decision from the planning minister and um, we'll make sure those forests and the little stonefly species like the greater glider and leadbed as possum will remain protected in a national park like they should be. Absolutely. It's really heartening to see that that decision has come through. I know there's a lot more to run with this state election campaign, as you've referenced in this chat. So um, we'll have to keep a very close eye on all of these issues and I'm sure a lot more because the state of Victoria is much broader than even the areas we've just been discussing. But I uh, really appreciate your time today, Jordan, and thank you so much for giving us your really expert insight into these areas today. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for your time, Amy. A pleasure. I've just been speaking with Jordan Crook, 
He is based at the Victorian National Parks Association as a nature conservation campaigner in the areas of forests, woodlands and grasslands. And we've been talking about the Victorian state government's environmental report card, essentially evaluating their record on the environment and also talking about some of the other parties' proposals in the areas where there are differences. And obviously, as we've said, a lot more to come. I'm Amy Mullins, and you've been listening to the Uncommon Sense podcast. Uncommon Sense is a radio show broadcast on 3RRR FM in Melbourne every Tuesday between 9am and 12pm.